And I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on that cross in disgrace, but Jesus, God's Son, took my place. Jesus, God's Son, yes, Jesus, God's Son, oh, Jesus, God's Son, took my place. Let's take God's word and turn to First Kings chapter 19. First Kings chapter 19, and let's stand as we honor the public reading of his word. And we're going to continue, as I said earlier, traveling with Elijah. If you've been with us on Wednesday nights in our Bible studies, we have been looking at the life of Elijah. And as we've been looking at the life of Elijah, we have been looking at it from the points of places and the places that Elijah went. And you could really divide his life from this place to this place to this place to this place. And that's what we've been doing, and we've looked at several of them. Tonight, we're going to go to a place called Abel-Mahola. Abel-Mahola. It's not a very familiar place. In fact, they're not absolutely sure where it is. Most think they know where it is, and Scripture gives us some light. We'll see that in a moment. But a place called Abel-Mahola. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 16, if you would please. We read one verse. In 1 Kings 19, 16, these are the instructions that were given to Elijah. You remember them from our last study. Elijah's told that Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shapheth of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. Now look down at verse 19. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shapheth, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. It says that Elijah, the son of Shapheth, of Abel, Mahola. Let's, you, thank you, maybe see. Let's pray. And we're going to jump on our bus, and we're going to go to Abel, Mahola tonight and think about Elijah. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, as we gather here, we thank you for the privilege of assembling together as your children. We thank you so much for your blessings in life and for making yourself known to us day after day after day, for the grace of God that we enjoy each day, and for the blessings of the Lord that are new every morning, yea, the mercies of God that are new to us every day of our life. Father, every day we are blessed of you, and we want to thank you for the gifts 
that you give us day by day by day. Thank you, Lord, for this old book. What a joy it is to read this book. What a joy it is, Lord, to learn this book. What a joy it is and a thrill and an honor to be able to preach this book. So we thank you for the Word of God. And we ask you tonight that you might speak to us and let us learn from the Scripture. Help us, Lord, to leave tonight better understanding the passage before us. But even more, Lord, help us to go beyond just understanding it. But, Lord, may we understand it that we might apply it. So change our lives tonight. May this be one of those special hours in the life of some of God's people tonight. I pray you'll touch us now, fill us with the Holy Spirit. We need you. We thank you for indwelling us. Now anoint us, and we'll thank you and praise you. For it is in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. As you know, if you've been with us on Wednesday night in our traveling with Elijah, we've gone to about five places thus far. We began by going to a place called Kareth, and we went by the little brook of Kareth, and there we spent some time with Elijah as God fed him and miraculously took care of him, even using ravens to bring in his meals every day. After leaving Kareth, we went to a place called Zarephath, and we saw how God met his need through a little widow woman. She had a need, but God met her need in order that she might meet the need of the man of God, Elijah. After leaving Zarephath, we went to the height of Carmel, and there we saw Elijah in his finest hour. And there we saw him on Mount Carmel as he defeats, or as the name of God is exalted, and the enemy is defeated. And then we went from Carmel to Beersheba. We saw Elijah at his highest point on Carmel, but we saw him at his lowest point at Beersheba. And there we saw him discouraged, and there we saw him fleeing into the wilderness, wishing to die. But we saw how God restored him, and we reminded ourselves that in our lowest moments, God has just what we need. And then we went to Horeb, and we saw God continuing his work in Elijah. He had dealt with some things and had ministered to him in a certain way under the juniper tree, but there were other things that God needed to do in his life. And we saw how God worked in Horeb to meet the needs of Elijah. Tonight, as we saw in verse 16 of chapter 19, we go to a place called Abel Meholah. As I mentioned a moment ago, many are uncertain about where the location of it is. But some believe it's not far from a place that is called Bethshean. In fact, 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 12 states that Bethshean is close to Jezreel. I put a map up on the screen and you see an arrow that points to Jezreel. And so when you see Jezreel, we know by what the scripture tells us that this little place called Abel Meholah is somewhere around Jezreel. Again, the exact location we're not sure of, but from what we read in the Scripture, is somewhere in that vicinity. And you remember at Horeb, Elijah was completely in the south. He'd been hundreds of miles away, so he's made a long journey back up to the north country again, now to find the young man that we'll meet tonight by the name of Elisha. Abel Beholah simply means the meta of dancing or the dancing meta. One writer said it spoke of the brook of the round dancing. They described the area around Jezreel as being a rich meadowland, moist and luxurious. So no doubt the name Abel Meholah comes from the land or the area that is around there. But this is where we travel to tonight. So it's been a long journey coming all the way from Horeb, all the way back, coming to Abel Meholah tonight to find this particular place. As I said a moment ago, you don't find it mentioned a lot in the Bible. It's not a place that's very famous. 
In fact, it's only mentioned twice. You'll find the Midianites in Gideon's day hid themselves in Abel-Meholah. But now we find Elisha at this little place called Abel-Meholah. You could say the only fame that he had was this was the birthplace and this was the home of Elisha. Nothing significant about it, had no other fame about it, uh, connect, no other prestige connected to it except this is where Elisha was from. This is the home and the birthplace of Elisha. I think about just the other day when we were driving back to London to catch our flight and I had never been to the little town of Epworth, just a little bitty village, just a little bitty town. And that's where John Wesley was born. And I wanted to go by there, so we swung over through Epworth. And when you come into the little town, there's a sign that says Epworth, the home of the Wesleys. Just a little spot. But his fame is that's where John and Charles Wesley is born. Well, that's what you might say about Abel Mahola. Its only fame is that it was the birthplace and the home of Elisha. But as we travel with Elijah tonight, we are introduced once again to another great servant of God, and his name is Elisha. He's one of the great characters of the Bible. In fact, Elijah and Elisha are two of my favorite characters in the Bible. But we're suddenly introduced to Elisha as we find Elijah going to Abel-Meholah. In fact, he goes there because he's been sent by God. He received three commissions. He was to anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, Second commission was that he was to anoint Jehu to be king over Israel. And thirdly, he was to anoint Elisha to be prophet in his room. So he comes to Abel-Meholah to fulfill one of those commissions that he had received from God. He is to anoint Elisha for his divine purposes or for divine purposes. He is to anoint Elisha for the service of God and that which God had for Elisha. Well, as I thought about this passage and meditated on this passage over the past few days, I was struck by the emphasis in the story on the matter of following. For example, you notice in verse 20, we read it a moment ago, the Bible said in the very beginning of verse 20 that he left the oxen and he ran after Elijah. Here is Elijah passing by, and you find Elisha following Elijah, and we'll emphasize that in a moment. And he even says to him in the middle part of verse 20, he said, I will follow thee. You notice in verse 21, and he returned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, the oxen in the latter part, he, then he arose and he went after Elijah. There are steps of following all through the story. Elijah passes by, Elisha follows him, follows him. He goes home for just a short period of time, but he comes back and he follows the man of God, Elijah. And he says to Elijah, I will follow thee. There is the emphasis on following in the story. Well, as I look at the story, I'm reminded of something that Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, when he said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus was given as the principle of service. Jesus was given as the principle of denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following him. Really what he was telling us that if we're going to follow him, then there must be a denying of ourselves. And if we're going to follow him, there must be the taking up of our cross. Jesus often talked about the matter of following. And he often emphasized this matter of what is required if we're going to follow God. Now, I'm sure tonight that if I were to ask you, how many of you want to follow God, most everybody, if not everybody in this room, would raise their hand. But I think sometimes we fail to understand what is required to follow God. Jesus said, follow me and follow me. What is involved in following the Lord? 
What is involved in following God and serving Him? Well, the story of Elijah and Elisha emphasizes some of the requirements of following God. When I find Elisha following Elijah, I learn some things about this matter of following the Lord. Really following God is an act of service. You want to serve God? You'll follow God. You want to serve the Lord? Then you'll follow the Lord. But what does it mean to follow the Lord? What will be required of us if we are going to follow God? If we're going to serve Him, what will be involved? Let me just point out three simple things tonight. The first thing that I want you to notice is this, that when we follow Him, there is the place we will assume. There's a place we assume when we follow Him. Look at verse 16 again. Notice the middle part. Notice the statement in verse 16 where you read the words, Elisha the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. In that statement there, you have Elijah being sent and Elisha being summoned. And in that statement there, you find this matter of following God and the place that we'll find ourselves in when we follow God. Look at the story. Let me point out two things. When we follow God, we'll find ourselves in a place where, one, we realize God's will. When you follow the Lord, you'll find yourself in a place where you'll realize the will of God for your life. Now, here's what God said to Elijah. He said, I want you to go, and there's a young man by the name of Elisha. I want you to anoint him, and I want you to anoint him to be a prophet. Now, God is making known what his will is for Elisha's life. Now, Elisha doesn't know it at the moment, but God is revealing the will of God for Elisha. He is saying to Elijah, I want you to anoint him to be a prophet. In other words, he's saying, my plan and my purpose for Elisha's life is to be a prophet. This is how I'm going to use him. This is the role in which he will serve. This is my will. This is my purpose for his life. Verse 19, you read of how Elijah passed by. Very simple act and a very quick act. No big fanfare about it. Elisha, Elijah simply walks by, takes off his mantle, and he throws it over on Elisha. And immediately Elisha runs in the direction of Elijah. In fact, Elijah didn't say anything. Just walked by and cast his mantle on him and kept on walking. See, the moment that he cast that mantle upon him, Elisha knew what was going on. The casting of the mantle was an Eastern custom of a teacher selecting one of his pupils, a teacher that realizes his days are about over, maybe realizes that he doesn't have long to live or he's at an age where he can no longer teach, so he'll choose one of his faithful pupils and then he'll take his robe or his garment of his position and he'll pass them on to that young pupil and to that young pupil is a signifying and is symbolic that the master wants him now to take his place and assume his role. And Elijah knew that. He knew when Elijah cast the mantle upon him what it meant that God or Elijah was saying to him, you are being chosen to take my place and to follow God in this area of service here. What's going on is God is showing Elisha the will of God. He's making it known to him what his plan is. Now listen to me tonight. Every one of us in this room, God has a will for our lives. Now you've heard me say that time and time again, but I want you to get it. There's not a person in this room tonight that is small to God. There's not a person in this room tonight that is insignificant to the Lord. You're God's child. You've been saved. You've been born again. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You belong to Him. And because you belong to Him, God has a purpose for you. 
for the youngest or the oldest, if you've been saved, there is something that God has for you to do. There's the will of God for your life. And when you follow God, you'll come to a place where you realize what God's will for your life is. Now, God uses us in different ways. He'll use one in this role of service. He'll use another in this role of service. He'll use a person here and he'll use a person there. He'll gift one to serve in this role. He'll gift another to serve in this role. And he'll gift one to serve in this capacity and so on and so on. But the point is this. God has a will for our lives. And there's this matter of knowing that will and knowing what his plan is and knowing what he wants to do with our life. And so there is this realizing of the will of God. And when you follow God, there will be an understanding and a realization of the will of God. To Elisha, he was to be a prophet. But there's something else involved in the statement. This caught my attention. Not only will we realize God's will, but there is also a replacement of God's workers. If you notice again in verse 16, he tells him that he's going to anoint him to be prophet in thy room. He is saying to Elijah, your days are numbered. He's saying to Elijah, there's going to be an hour that I'm going to remove you from the field of service. There's a day in which you will no longer serve me on earth. He's telling Elijah that there's coming an hour that God's going to take him home. But he's saying to them, there's somebody that I want you to anoint to be a prophet that will take your place when you're gone. See what God was doing. Even Elijah, unaware of the whole matter, God was arranging things so that when Elijah was, tra Elijah was translated, then there would be someone to step right in and take the place of Elijah. There was not only a realizing of God's will, but there was a replacing of God's workers. And you find this quite often in the Bible. You remember when Aaron went up on Mount Hor to die? Before he went up on Mount Hor to die, he took his son Eleazar and he put the robes of the priesthood upon him. He was saying to his son, it's my time to go. Now it's your time to take my place. Same thing happened when uh, Moses went on Pisgah. As he went on Pisgah, he charged Joshua and told Joshua that you are to be my successor. David had the burden to build the house of God. And even though he never had the privilege of building the house of God, God revealed it to him that he would raise up Solomon, his own son, that would build the house of God. Saul, when he laid dying, God saw to it, uh, Stephen, when he laid dying, God saw to it that there was a man by the name of Saul that saw the whole thing. And God pricked the heart of Saul. In a matter of time, he became Paul. And he would take the place and pick up the torch that Stephen dropped when he died that particular day. It is God replacing his workers. Now, I want you to understand this tonight. The workers of God, God has them in every age. And God has them in every generation. And there comes a time that the workers of God, of one generation, they go on to be with the Lord. But God's work doesn't stop with the minister. The minister may die, but the ministry never dies. There are those that God raises up to follow in their train. You realize our generation here tonight, you and me, that we are following in the train of the generation before us? That every one of us tonight, we are God's replacement. The servants of God that have gone on in past ages. Now we, this is our hour. This is the time that God has given us. He has placed us here this day, this place, this hour, that we might do the work of God. We are the replacement. Just where I have been, I've been reminded so often of the workers of God and been everywhere I turn, being reminded of this servant of God and this servant of God. 
One of the thrills I had was preaching in Lurgan Baptist. I had been acquainted with a Scottish or a Northern Ireland pastor by the name of William Mullen. Willie Mullen. And his name is known all over Northern Ireland, Ireland and Scotland and pastored Lurgan Baptist for a number of years. I didn't realize that when I received my schedule where I was going to be, that I was actually going to be preaching in Willie Mullen's church and pastor there for 27 years. And what a joy and thrill it was when I got there to realize I was actually preaching in Willie Mullen's church. But I thought about it. Willie Mullen's gone. This is my day. This is my hour. This is your hour, and God is raises up, and we go on and serve God. That's why it's so important that every one of you live for God. Others before us live for God. Others before us serve God. We wouldn't be here tonight if somebody hadn't been faithful to God. We wouldn't be serving God if it hadn't been for somebody that believed the book. Somebody that had knew Christ and knew God and walked with God and met God and experienced God. What we enjoy, somebody paved the way for us to enjoy. And what's the next generation going to get out of it? You see, we are those that follow. And here's Elisha. God said, Elijah, go down there and anoint that young man to be a prophet in thy room. There is the place we assume. When we follow God, when we follow the Lord, we are getting in the will of God. That's the place we find ourselves in, in the will of God. We find ourselves serving God and following behind our, our predecessors. So there is a place we assume. There's something else we see in the story. There is not only the place we assume, but there is the price we accept. When we follow God, there is a price to following God. Now, I know in our generation, in our seeker-friendly age, and everything is so geared to make everything as comfortable as possible for everybody. We don't like to emphasize that serving God sometimes requires something. But I'd be less than honest with you tonight to say that it wouldn't cost you a thing to live for God and wouldn't cost you a thing to serve God. That would be dishonest to me. I'm going to be honest with you tonight. If you want to follow God, it's going to cost you something. And if you're going to follow God and serve God, then there's something, there's a price that you're going to have to pay to follow God. Yeah, there's a cost. There's a price that you've got to accept. Same thing what Jesus said. I read it a moment ago. Matthew 16, Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, then one, you're going to deny yourself, and two, you're going to take up your cross. Now, that's a price. There's something involved in that matter. Now, you look at the story here, and you see what is involved if we follow God. If you really want to follow God, notice what is involved. Notice, first of all, the devotion that is involved. If you're going to follow God, there is a devotion involved. There will be a matter of you being devoted to God. Look at verse 20 in our text. The Bible said that Elijah, verse 20, that he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. He ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow thee. Now here's Elijah's response. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what? have I done to thee? Now look at Elijah's statement for just a moment. Elijah says to him, he immediately knows what is involved. When he cast the mantle on him, he immediately knew that this was God's call for his life. And God had suddenly revealed the will of God. Him and the boys are out there plowing. There's 12 team of yoking out there. And Elijah's got the 12th team. Elijah's got the 12th team. And here comes this prophet coming, walking across the plowed ground, throws his mantle upon him, and Elisha immediately knows what God's plan for his life is. And he recognizes that, and he runs after Elijah. 
And the fact that he run after Elijah indicates that he's submitting to what God has just revealed to him. This is his will for his life. But he has a request. He said, now I know what God wants me to do. But he said, let me just go back and tell mom and dad bye. And Elijah says to him, go back again. And then he made the statement there, for what have I done to thee? Now, he was not rebuking, quite different than the story in the New Testament where the man wanted to go back, see his father and mother and bury them and whatever. What he was said, I want to go back till they die and then I'll serve God. He's putting conditions on the matter. That's not what Elijah's doing. And Elijah is not rebuking him. He says, go back. That's only right. They're your father and your mother. Go back and kiss them goodbye. Go back and tell them goodbye. But he says, for what have I done to thee? If I know how to, if the best way I know how to explain it is to put it this way. Elijah was saying, go back. Go back and tell your mom and dad goodbye, but don't stay. Don't remain. Don't tarry. For I am not the one that has called you. In other words, what he's saying to Elijah is this. God's the one that's called you. It's only right to go back and tell your mom and dad bye, but I'm not the one that's called you. It is God that has called you, so don't stay. You get right back. What Elijah was saying to Elijah is this. Look, if you're going to follow God, you've got to realize your devotion is to God. Now, what does it mean to follow the Lord? What would be required of us to follow God? First of all, there is going to have to be this moment of time in our life where we give it all to God, where we are devoted to God, where we come to him and say, Lord, here I am. Here's my life. Here's my future. Here's my plans. Here I am, lock, stock, and barrel. I give it all to you. There must be a devotion to God, a giving of your life to God. But that's the battleground for a lot of people. In fact, that's why many people, they never go on with God because they get to that point of giving it to God and they back down. They get to that point where they have to wrestle with that matter and this old flesh begins to hang on to the things of this world and the spirit begins to draw them to the things of another world and there's that conflict there. But what happens many times, instead of yielding to the eternal things, we yield to earthly things. We don't go on with God. But I'm going to tell you something. If you want to follow God, there'll be a devotion of your life to the Lord. But look at something else involved. Are you still with me tonight? Say amen. You notice not only devotion involved, but there was a decision involved. Look at verse 21. I love what he did. And he returned back from him. And I assume that in there he went back and saw mom and dad. But then after seeing mom and dad, he took a yoke of oxen, slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen. Now, there was a decision on the part of Elijah. He took the yoke of oxen he had. There was 12. There was a 12 yoke, and Elijah, the Scripture said, was with the 12th. And meaning there were 12 men out there plowing, two yoke, two oxen to a yoke, two yoke to an oxen, and two, two oxen to a yoke. And they're out there plowing. Here's Elijah with the 12th one. And those are his ox, no doubt. But here's what he does. He takes his plow and he breaks it apart and he starts a fire with it. And then he cooks the oxen over the fire that he's built from his plow. In other words, what Elisha was doing, he's burning the bridges behind him, the symbols of his life, the symbols of what he's been doing. He's a farmer. He's plowing the field. He's out there with his oxen. He's got his plow. But he burns his plow, and he gets rid of his oxen. He's burning that which is symbolic of the life that he's now lived, and now he's devoted to God. He's making the decision from here on out. I do what my God wants me to do. You want to follow God? 
then there has to be that decision in your life where you're going to come and you're going to give your life to the Lord and it's from there on out, burning the bridges behind you. Not this coming, dedicating your life on Sunday and then rededicating Sunday week later and then the next Sunday next. No, 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 no. You were the battle line. You had to settle the issue once and for all in your life. It's come and say, God, here it is. I'm going to burn my plow. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kill my oxen. It's all yours from here on out. I'm here to serve you and follow you. There's the decision that he made. His life was to be God's forever. I think of the night, July the 12th, 1974, when I gave it all to God. And God knew my heart that night. When I knelt and I said, Lord, I want to give you my life, he knew my heart that night that I was giving it to God, and as far as I was concerned, that it was His for the rest of my life. It's not mine to do what I want to with. It's not mine to make my own plans and wills. It's His. I gave it to Him, and that's what God wants. There is the decision that is involved, is giving everything to God. That's the price. That's the price. For Elijah, it meant leaving father and mother. Now, for you tonight, listen to me, for the majority in this room tonight, that would not be the cost. The majority, I would say 99.9% .9 of you, the will of God would not require you leaving father and mother and houses and land. The will of God for 99.9% .9 of you would not be giving up everything and going off to a mission field or entering into the ministry or whatever like that. that would, the majority of you, that would not be the will of God for your life. But if you're going to follow God, there'll be that time in your life where you be willing to do whatever he wanted you to do. That's the issue. The issue is not what will I have to give up. Maybe God would never make you pay that kind of sacrifice or price, but there will be a willingness on your part to do that. That's the price. It is a dying to self, taking up your cross and following him. That was what Elisha was doing. But look at the third and the final thing in the story. There's not only the place we assume and the price we accept, but when we follow God, there's the purpose we attend. That's what we do. When we follow God, then we find ourselves in a ministry. You find in the story, look at Elijah, the latter part of it. You see how Elijah, once he left to follow God and to follow the Lord, then he found himself, everything about his life, built around other people. Built around people. Build around others. Now, I want you to understand something about ministry. We have the ideal that ministry, that if I have a position in the church, I'm in the ministry. You can have 15 positions and really not be ministry. You can be in all kinds of jobs. You can do this and you can do that. Oh, Brother Ken, I hang up the bulletin boards or I clean the commodes or I do this and I do that. And they're all great. We've got to have people to do that. But that's not ministry. You know what ministry is all about? It's people. That's what ministry is all about. It's others. And when a person follows God, they suddenly find themselves no longer focused inwardly. Elisha gave up everything to do what God wanted, and the minute he did so, he began to become focused outwardly. For example, look at it. You find that he found himself involved, one, in a ministry of sharing. What did he do with his oxen? He, the Bible, verse 21 said, he gave unto the people and they did eat. He didn't waste the meat of that ox. 
I don't know how many, how many of you told me, said, when you go to England, don't eat the beef, don't eat the beef. Well, I did, and I ate one Whopper in London. That was all I ate. So if I go wild, you know what it is. I got mad cow, cow disease. But he didn't give it up. He didn't give up his beef. He shared it with the people, and they did eat. He found himself in a ministry of sharing. How many of you have been born again? How many of you have been saved by the grace of God? Would you lift your hand? Then you've got something to share. You got something in you this world is dying for. They don't know they need it, but this world needs Christ. This world is lost, going to hell, and you've got the hope. You've got the answer. And when you begin to follow him, you'll find yourself in a ministry of sharing. Not only a ministry of sharing, but a ministry of serving. For you find that after he fed the people, he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. That verb ministered there is all, most time in the Bible is used to speak of the priest serving the Lord. Ministering unto the Lord, the Bible says. Samuel ministered unto the Lord. That is, he served God. Elisha found himself in a ministry of serving. Serving people. Found himself in the ministry of serving Elijah. 1 Kings 4, 13, I believe it is, talks about him. He was identified as the one who poured water on the hands prophet of Elijah. He just met the needs of Elijah. He was serving Elijah, helping Elijah, caring for Elijah, lifting the load off of Elijah. He was there to serve. That's what we find ourselves in. We're in this matter of serving one another, reaching out to one another, touching one another's life. Listen, it, it, it don't do you a bit of good. It won't reap you any eternal reward to have big titles and big positions. What will reap you eternal rewards is when you pour your life into other people. And you reach out and you want to touch people and help people. That's the matter of following God. Following God, following God gets you focused on others where you care about people, you think about people, you love people, you want to reach out and touch people. That is service. That is following the Lord. I think about something Faraday had to say in his comments on this particular story. He said, and it's very simple, but listen to it. He said, it was but the work of a moment. Elijah's casting of his mantle upon Elisha. But it was a turning point in his spiritual history. Faraday was saying, hey, just happened a second. Prophet just walked out in the middle of nowhere, walked across the field, threw his mantle on Elijah, walked on. Just a moment. But it was a turning point in the spiritual history of Elisha. It may be tonight in this room, this Wednesday night study, that this could be the turning point for you. The turning point for somebody. A turning point in your spiritual history. A red letter day on your spiritual calendar. A turning point when you say, I'm going to take my plow and I'm going to burn it. I'm going to take my oxen and I'm going to burn it. I'm going to follow God. I'll do his will. I'll serve him and live for him and I'll honor him and glorify him. My life will be extended in reaching other people for Jesus Christ. Maybe this could be your turning point. I want you to take your prayer sheet, if you would, please. I want to remember tonight those who want to pray for our missionary of the week. It's Faith Children's Home in Chickamauga, Georgia, Brother Thompson. I want to be praying for them. They're a special, special a group of folks, and want to remember them. Always a blessing to see them. They often drop in here. Let's pray for them tonight and pray that God will bless the work 
And I believe they're searching for a director or someone there. And so they have needs. Let's pray for them. And then our church of the week, this is one of the, week, uh, one of the churches that I had the privilege of being in. I mentioned just a moment ago uh, where Willie Mullen pastored for 27 years and, and it was just a very, very special place of ministry. Uh, I'll, I'll never, 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 never forget my ministry at Lurgan Baptist Church in Lurgan, Northern Ireland. Brother Dennis Lyle, and uh, you'll, you'll meet him on my pictures next week. And young fellow, about 47, and uh, doing a great work, but a wonderful fellow. I had the opportunity to be in his home and, and uh, with his family and different things. Real blessing. But let's pray for them tonight and uh, real hunger for the Lord at Lurgan Baptist but let's pray for them tonight that God will bless them and work in their hearts and ministry there. Erlanger, our hospitalist, Billy Jackson, this is Virginia Mitchell's cousin, Candy Jeffries. Also Memorial Hospital, Barbara Cole, we continue to lift her up. And then at East Ridge, Edna Gravely, Edith Brooks' sister. And then at East Ridge Hospital also, Michelle Cleaver. She had a, a big baby girl this afternoon, Brooklyn Michelle, 9 pounds, 4 ounces, 114 inches long, so it's a good-sized baby. 21 inches long, 21 inches long. But Brooklyn Michelle, so let's remember uh, all the families that are involved there. And then you'll notice at the very bottom of our prayer list, we want to remember Marianne Daggett. Her father went home to be, uh, died early this morning and, uh, in South Carolina, Camden, South Carolina, and uh, talked to Marianne early today. Let her know we'd be praying for her. Let's be praying for them. And then also Barbara Miller, this Keith Miller, one of our members, his mother passed away. We'll be having a memorial service here at 10 o'clock on Friday uh, for his mother. So let's remember them and be praying for them. Let's come. Let's gather around the altar. What a privilege it is to take our needs to the Lord. What a blessing it is to pray for others. Why don't you come tonight and why don't you say, Lord, I want to follow you. Lord, I want to follow you. Lead me, Lord, I will follow. As we often sing to the chorus. In fact, Rick, let's get that as we leave tonight. We'll sing that as we go out. Lead me, Lord, I will follow. And let's follow him. What a joy it is to be able to follow the Lord. Amen? Not a greater, greater, greater privilege we have than to follow the Lord and just to enjoy all that he has. But let's remember tonight our Missionary of the Week, Church of the Week, and these special needs. Father, in Jesus' name as we come to you, we pray tonight for the Thompsons and for Faith Children's Home. Thank you for these servants of the Lord that have been faithful through the years and for the number of young men whose lives have been touched through Faith Children's Home, troubled young men. Thank you, Lord, for those that have been saved and for lives that have been held. Bless them, Lord. And their search for a director or search for uh, home, parents, whatever the need is, I pray you would bless it. Someone out there that you have and someone you have raised up for that work, may their paths meet. God answer their prayer. And then, Lord, we pray tonight for Brother Dennis Lyle, Lurgan Baptist. We pray you bless the work of God in Northern Ireland. Pray you bless there in the church. I pray that you bless and, and fulfill their hunger. And Father, their faces are fresh in my mind tonight. Their prayers are fresh in my mind as I hear them as they cry to God for revival. I pray, dear God, that you'd bless them there. Thank you for letting our paths cross. But bless Brother Dennis, bless the church and the ministry. And I pray you'd just do great things. Then, Father, for our church people tonight, their needs, I pray, Lord, that you'd touch them. Be with them, we pray tonight, for Mary Ann, that you would comfort her heart.
and all the family. We pray you bless them. For Keith, that you comfort his heart and all the family, that you would comfort them and bless them. All of these needs, we pray you bless. And then thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Our hearts are full tonight as we hear the things you've done. Thank you, Lord, for uh, saving Rick. What a blessing it is to meet him tonight. Thank you, God, for saving him. And I pray, Lord, that you could just continue to move as we meet on Sunday. I pray the hand of God be upon us, the power of God to be real. I pray, God, you'd bring us to yourself, introduce us to you in a way that we've never known you before. May the things of God and the things of another world become real to us. I pray, Lord, they become priorities in our life that we'll see you in a light that we've never seen. But God, continue to bless here. Consecrate this ground. Our hearts, we cry out to you for a fresh visit of God on this place, for revival in our place, for revival in our land. I pray, Lord, you just move. Thank you again for the privilege of following you. And may we tonight, may there be somebody, may this be a turning point in somebody's life tonight that they'll follow you, they'll deny themselves, burn their oxen and plows, take up their cross, give their self to God to follow you. May we see tonight where you want us to be, what you've anointed us for, and may we serve you and may the work of God continue as we follow you. So thank you again for your goodness and for your grace. In Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake we pray, amen. As you go back to your seat, let's sing this little chorus. Lead me, Lord, I will follow. Let's sing this from our hearts. Sing it, would you? Lead me, Lord, I stand. I will follow. Yes. Lead me, Lord, I will go. Amen. I've called me. I will answer. Lead me, Lord, I will. Shake hands and fellowship as you leave tonight. Back on the Lord's day. <laughs>